May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning. There's a very famous uh, World War II era humorist and New Yorker cartoonist named James Thurber. And he once famously said, Seeing is deceiving, it's eating that's believing. Seeing is deceiving, it is eating that's believing. And I think he may be right. I have heard lots of people say that their eyes were playing tricks on them. I've never heard anybody say their taste buds were playing tricks on them. I have a very vivid memory from when I was a kid. I love asparagus now, but when I was a kid, I hated asparagus. I could not stand asparagus. We had uh, one food. Each of us uh, kids could choose one food that we did not have to eat whenever it was served, and mine was asparagus. I could not stand it. And uh, one day our family was at a social gathering. I think it was a, uh, a, a, another family had a bunch of people out to their lake house. And uh, I grabbed what I thought, what looked like to me, uh, I thought it was an egg salad sandwich. And I got my plate uh, full, because I like to eat now. I, it wasn't, that wasn't the problem. But I, so I, I went down to the, the uh, lake and sat on the dock and ate my egg salad sandwich and one bite, and my whole body just convulsed. And um, uh, it was an asparagus salad sandwich, uh, not, not an egg salad sandwich, because seeing is deceiving. It's eating that's believing. Um, now, I don't know if he knew it or not, but uh, Mr. Thurber, what, his quip uh, was biblical. Because, you know, in 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us that uh, we walk by faith and not by sight, right? Because seeing is deceiving. And today, Jesus tells us in John chapter 6 that, in fact, eating is believing. When he tells us that he is the bread of life. He says of himself, I am the bread of life. So this is a passage, I think, that just offers enormous comfort uh, to those who have a spiritual hunger, uh, which is basically all of us, right? I mean, maybe for you it's some dissatisfaction that after all my life has given me, I still uh, feel like something's missing. Maybe it is uh, loneliness or loss or just some profound sadness or a longing for a sense of purpose or just a desire to go deeper in your relationship with Christ, but we don't know how exactly to do that. Whatever it is, this passage has something for you. So here's what we're going to cover this morning. Three points. Number one, eating is believing. Number two, believing is eternal life. And number three, eternal life is expensive, but not for you. So eating is believing. Believing is eternal life. Eternal life is expensive, but not for you. So first, eating is believing. We are picking up this uh, conversation right in the middle of it. It began in last week's gospel passage, also from John chapter 6. Uh, this is at least part of the crowd uh, of 5,000 that Jesus had fed with the miracle meal, uh, five loaves and two fish. Uh, he, Jesus had, had gone back across the lake, and they went looking for him, and they found him, uh, and what did they want? More bread, right? And Jesus says to them in last week's passage, don't seek the food that perishes, 
but seek food that endures to eternal life. And they say, great, give us this bread, always. Because they're thinking food that endures to eternal life equals ultimate, uh, or sorry, unlimited bread forever, right? I mean, sort of like manna in the wilderness. That's, that's the paradigm they're thinking. Uh, we eat our fill today, and tomorrow there'll be more free bread. That sounds like a sweet deal, on and on, to eternal life. So our passage picks up, and Jesus says, no, no, I am the bread that I'm talking about. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. And Jesus is, of course, saying that the way that he met their physical hunger in the miracle meal, the feeding of the 5,000, that's just a signpost. That's a directional sign pointing ahead to how he has come himself to meet their spiritual hunger. Hunger. I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And they're not sure what he means, because they've come to him, and they're still hungry. And they know they can't eat him, because that's against the law, and that's gross. So, they don't get it. But Jesus is giving a metaphor, right? I mean, like, like when we exhort you, and we will in just a minute, every week in, in the Eucharist, feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We're saying feed on Christ, but do it in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus takes this, uh, m- this idea, which is potentially theoretical or mental, believe in Christ, and he describes it with an experiential metaphor. I mean, to, to, to eat bread is to feel it, to smell it, to taste it, to discern its texture, uh, to be nourished and sustained by it, to ingest it. To eat bread is an experience. It's one that we have almost every day, right? And maybe multiple times a day. It's easily accessible in every culture. There's just not a culture that hadn't figured out bread, although somebody came to me in the last service who's from the Southeast Asia, and I think Jesus would have said, I'm the rice of life. I mean, I think that it is um, every culture, totally accessible. To believe in Christ beyond just believing about him is to experience him, and not on some rare mystical occasion. Those, those things are nice, but Jesus is saying daily as part of the normal routine. It's, it's almost mundane. I mean, he doesn't say, I'm the Ruth's Chris filet mignon of life. That would be exciting, but it would be out of reach for most of us. Jesus is not just for special occasions. Jesus is for all occasions. He is bread. He's the bread of life. I mean, to benefit from bread, you don't keep it on the shelf, right? If you just took bread off the shelf at Christmas and Easter, it would be a moldy mess, you know, so Jesus is saying to benefit from bread, you have to eat it. You have to enjoy it, share it with your friends. That's why we come together uh, each week. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus says, uh, when Jesus says, feed on him to eat his flesh and drink his blood, I don't think he's principally talking about the Eucharist. I think that comes later. We can read some of that back in to it, but... He is talking about actively believing in him. Not just believing about him, but trusting him. 
trusting His Word, trusting His sovereignty over your life. Jesus is the bread of life, and eating is believing. Well, second, believing is eternal life. Now, eternal life is really a pervasive theme throughout the Gospel of John. It's a phrase that John uses 17 times throughout his his Gospel. Most famously, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. Same same way to translate it. And, And in some ways, eternal life is the whole point of this bread of life image. It's the whole point. To eat the bread of life is to believe in Christ, and those who believe have eternal life. Here, uh, Jesus explains the reason for his incarnation, the sole purpose of his coming from heaven, being born to a virgin, to being raised as a carpenter's son, to becoming an itinerant preacher, and dying on a cross and rising again. He says, here's the reason. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, Jesus says, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up at the last day. Indeed, this is the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life. Eternal life. Jesus came to win eternal life for you and for me. Now that's wonderful. But it's actually not until we get to John 17 and Jesus' famous prayer there that we find out exactly what Jesus means by the phrase eternal life. And this is what Jesus says. He's praying to the Father and he says to the Father, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus says eternal life is to know God and to know Jesus Christ. And this means a couple of things. It means that the call and the invitation here is inherently relational. It's a call to know God, to know Jesus. To believe is not just to take what Jesus offers, but to know Him, to have a relationship with God. To give of ourselves in response to all that He has given to us. There's like any relationship. There's giving coming from both sides. And the call to know God also means that eternal life is not just after you die. You can know Him now. And so eternal life begins now. When you put your faith in Christ, you step into it now. It's the life of faith in this world before life in the next. It's feeding daily on the bread of life. As one scholar put it like this, he said, Eternal life is more than just unending existence. It is primarily the passing over from condemnation to acceptance, from death to life. Jesus says, whoever believes has eternal life. Well, let's just admit, I mean, there are times when believing is easier said than done, isn't it? There's times when, when your faith just may not make much rational sense to you not sure what to do with that. Maybe there's times when something really terrible has happened and, and it's shaken you and it's caused you to question your faith. Maybe there there's times when you're just not sure about what you believe. What then? Are you disqualified? Are you hoping that 
The end doesn't come before, you know, at one of those down times that he's maybe on the a high time of belief. So to answer that, I want to just point you to two sentences right towards the top of the passage in your bulletin. Actually, like the third line, Jesus says two sentences. You have seen me and yet you do not believe. You see me and yet you do not believe. And then right after that, he says everything means everyone Everyone that the Father gives me will come, will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never cast out. In the first sentence, Jesus explains that God has given Jesus to his people. And the people have not received that gift, and therefore the gift has been lost. And in the second sentence, the very next sentence, we see that God has given his people to Jesus. And Jesus has received that gift, gift, and he will never let go. So, what good news? I mean, have you struggled? Have you doubted? Have you sinned and wondered how you could possibly be forgiven? Have you been away from church for a while? Do you have someone that you're worried about? We need to hear these words again. Anyone who comes to me, I will never cast out. It is the Father's will that Jesus not lose a single one, including you. And there's just such comfort in that. that, that know, to knowing, know that life may have its ups and downs, but Jesus is holding on to you, and His commitment to keeping you in His grace does not waver. doesn't waver. There's a great 19th century preacher named Charles Spurgeon. And he was approached by a woman after hearing him preach. And she said, I hear you talk about the love of God, but you have no idea how bad I have been. And Spurgeon looked kindly at the woman and said, Madam, I can assure you of two things. First, you are a far worse sinner than you think you are. And second, Jesus has never turned down a sinner yet. So eating is believing, and believing is eternal life. And finally, eternal life is expensive, but not for you. So this has to do really with what it is that we're trusting in. right? What is it exactly about Jesus that we are believing uh, that offers us eternal life? And to answer that, I would direct you to the very final sentence in our passage where Jesus declares, The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. I mean, even here, I mean, this is relatively early in Jesus' ministry. Even here, Jesus is pointing us forward to the cross where the bread of life would be broken so that the world might be healed. Isn't it extraordinary how God considered you worth his own life? You think about yourself as worth the life of God. It's an extraordinary thought. Eternal life is expensive. It costs God incarnate his life, but it is not expensive for you. For you, because the bread of life was broken, eternal life is a gift. For you, it is free. 
Jesus gave his flesh, he gave his body, he gave his very life for the life of the world, for your life and for mine. It was on the cross that Jesus was a perfect and substitutionary offering that paid the price for your sins, for your worries, for your doubts, for everything that is broken and needs healing in your life and in the world around you. The bread that he gave for the life of the world is his flesh. We express this in our Eucharistic liturgy, and we will again in just a minute. We hold the bread up, we break it kind of dramatically. It's kind of on purpose. We want to hear a good crack, right? And, and, and we, uh, it's a reminder of that once for all broken body of Christ that we, and then we continue that expression when we hand you a piece of bread and we say, This is the body of Christ which is given or sometimes we say is broken for you because he loves you. Because he loves you. And then when you receive that bread in faith, and faith is a really important part of that because we're eating is believing, but we take it into our own body. You're saying, I know that eternal life is expensive, but not for me. Eternal life is expensive, but the price was paid in full on my behalf. That's what you're saying when you receive that bread. So, Jesus is the bread of life. right? Food to return to daily within the mundane rhythms and routines of our lives. Spiritual food to satisfy spiritual hunger. Even, perhaps especially, when life is hard and it's hard to see, we remember that seeing is deceiving, but eating is believing, and believing is eternal life, and eternal life is expensive, but not for you. Amen.